seated, and uh, we're going to dive right into this uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're not going to talk about, uh, last week we talked about head coverings, which is um, kind of interesting uh, bit of scripture. It's the only time in scripture in the New Testament where it's mentioned, and I said this last week, um, when something is mentioned only one time in the Bible, uh, take notice of it, but you need to give it that amount of attention now things like uh the work on the cross and love and those things that repeat over and over and over those are the ones that you should be paying attention to uh, more so but we're going to look at something and this is a controversial could be a controversial it doesn't have to be a controversial topic but we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts it's first corinthians chapter 12 and this is just a preface to uh, Paul's correction. He doesn't correct the Corinthians until First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen. He goes in and he deals with being order in the church. And so he says this: If you need a subheading, sub- subheading can be spiritual gifts. He says this now concerning spiritual gifts. Um, does anybody uh, have a King James version Bible in here? Anybody have a King James version? Does it say gifts? Does it say gifts? And it's italicized, correct? Okay, so if something is italicized, um, it, it means this, that it was not in the original Greek language. You know, sometimes when you translate from one language to another, words don't, they don't mix at times, and they don't know how to necessarily uh, say specific things. But here, the writers, what they try to do, they do the best that they can. How many know that as a human, sometimes... You know, even inspired by the Lord, sometimes we we miss it. Not that this is wrong or anything like this, but the original manuscripts just say, uh, now concerning spirituals. Literally, that's what it says, spirituals. It doesn't say spiritual gifts. It's not that word gifts. So um, so the Greek word here is pneumotikos, or spirituals, referring to the entire realm or the manifestation of the Spirit of God. So... Um, and we'll look at, a matter of fact, if you go down to verse 4, he says gifts there. Um, and it's, this isn't a bad translation. doesn't mean it's wrong. I think it gives us a little context to understand. But I want you to look at this in the big picture. It says this, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Uh, I think the King James Version says, I do not want you to be ignorant. And I've said this over and over every time I come. Paul uses this a lot. He says, hey, I don't want you to be ignorant on this subject. So one of five times, Paul tells his readers, do not be ignorant or do not be uninformed on a subject. That means uh, being ignorant doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means you don't know. You haven't researched it. You don't understand. And so um, so let's see how good you guys have been listening, okay? We've been going through the New Testament. Uh, can, can you guys help me out? Come on, students of the Bible. What, what are these five things? Number one, we just talked about this one a couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He talks about don't be ignorant about Old Testament typology, or he talks about um, when Moses went from Egypt into the promised land and how those things are a picture for us today. And so he said, I don't want you to be ignorant on those things. Here's another thing. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, I do not want you to be ignorant on the rapture of the church. Yes, the word rapture does not uh, actually happen in, in, in Scripture, but the, the word taking out or the taking away. And how many know that, um, you know, when we talk about the Old Testament typology, we talk about the rapture. Man, people get really confused really fast, right? Here's another one. Second uh, Corinthians chapter three. Here's don't do not be ignorant on. Here we go. The tactics of the enemy. 
Come on, if you're going to beat your enemy, you need to know what ammo he's throwing at you, right? And, and what do we see? We see people who are children of God, who know the Lord, who serve the Lord, but the enemy is, has got them. He's whipping them. Uh, he, he is beating them because they don't understand the, the tactics of the enemy. And so here's another one. He says, do not be ignorant on this. Romans 11, the future of Israel and what is to come for the nation Israel. Um, one of the things that happened uh, when Israel went to war with Hamas was people started to contact me and said, Pastor, what does this mean? You know why? Because people are, are ignorant of what is to come for the nation Israel. And so uh, another thing, and he, here's, here's another one that he says, uh, spiritual gifts. Do not be ignorant about spiritual gifts here in 1 Corinthians 12. So out of all those things, those things oftentimes cause a lot of confusion in a lot of people, and they shouldn't, right? You know where the answer is? Right here. I don't know where that came from. Right here in this book. And and if we're ignorant on a subject, it means that we have not dug into this thing and looked into this thing to find the answer, right? Uh, If I have an issue with my house and I don't know how to do something, guess what? I am grateful for YouTube because you can figure anything out on YouTube, right? You can watch YouTube and know how to rewire your whole house, even if you've never rewired a house, right? You may not do it right, but you can can learn, right? But but here's the thing. We, We are to know those things, and I think those things are very important in the last days, man. We see... Um, you know, so many, so much ignorance on certain things. People don't understand the Old Testament typology that, that leads us and pushes us to Christ. So many people are ignorant on, on the rapture and they just want to look at the world in the rose colored glasses. But how many know that Jesus is coming back for his bride? Amen. Amen. Uh, and, and so we need to understand that and the tactics of the enemy, the future of Israel and spiritual gifts. So, so the Corinthian church, uh, here's the thing. They're, they are operating in these manifestations of these gifts and they were there, but here's the thing. Um, they begin to abuse these gifts. How many know that we can abuse things, right? Oftentimes in scripture, um, the, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about spiritual gifts that can be very divisive, right? If I had a room full of uh, uh, community service, I could say, hey, how many believe in spiritual gifts? And we would all go to our different corners and argue and fight over uh, things that we believe are, are right. And how many know that the Holy Spirit, listen to me, listen to me, the Holy Spirit came not to devise or to cause division, but to bring people together. If there's any division, it is within us or the enemy has used something within us. And so the Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus Christ, all right? Hear me out. The Holy Spirit always draws people to, to Jesus Christ, and so we have to know that. So, so there were some abuses that were happening, and, and here's the deal. There, there is some, some people, um, here's, here's what happens when there's abuse. I, I have grown up. I don't know if you realize this or not, but our church here is a Pentecostal church. You, you may or may not realize that. You may come from a different background, uh, but the, our doctrinal stance and everything that we believe is Pentecostal. I grew up Pentecostal, and I've seen the good of Pentecostal, and I've seen the bad of Pentecostal. How many of my old school Pentecostals have seen some spiritual gifts be a little bit abused and overused? All right, all right, I see some hands. And how many of you, maybe you grew up at a different denomination, you're scared to death when you hear anyone say spiritual gifts and you want to like just go hide in a corner, right? 
But here's the thing. Those gifts are not to, to make us divisive or to draw, drive us away. But here's what happens. The gifts, just because someone abuses them, does not mean that we do not use those gifts. It means that we use them properly. Right? Right? So if someone abuses something... That doesn't mean that we don't do it anymore. It just means that, hey, we need to learn how to properly use that gift. And so I'll give you a good example of this. If there is if somebody, uh, you know, that we see on the street. Okay, I'm just going to throw an example out here. This is probably a terrible example. Uh, imagine that somebody is five foot tall and they weigh a thousand pounds. Can you imagine? Five foot tall and they weigh a thousand pounds. We would look at them and go, whew, they have abused eating or they have, they, have, they have abused eating. And so we would look at them and say, hey, because they've abused the eating, guess what? I'm not going to eat anymore. But what happens to us if we stop eating? Come on, what, what happens to us? We starve. We die, right? We dry up. And so some have argued this point. Hey, uh, you know, because people abuse this, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. But that's not proper and that's not correct. All right, so Paul is going to help, help, help the Corinthians, you know, get in line here. And how many know that he can help us stay in line today? Amen. And so there is a doctrine, and listen to me. I'm not here to beat up on anybody. I'm not here to cause any issues. I'm not going to call any names. As a matter of fact, I could call this person by name. A major, major uh, um, a minister in America who believes this way. But there's a doctrine called cessation or uh, uh, cessationists, and what they believe is this, that the gifts of the Spirit, and, and, and particularly prophecy and tongue, cease to exist when the last apostle died. They believe that once the last apostle died, hey, those gifts, they were no more. And where they get this stance, listen to me, where they get this stance is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and they argue um, that the complete canonization of the New Testament was, was where the gifts were used and where it ended, they were no more. But how many know, come on, how many know that even though the Bible has been canonized and, and it is finished, written, it has not played out all the way? How many know that we have not went all the way through Revelation here and God is still doing something? Amen? So their, their claim is this, you know, this is what they say. After uh, the last apostle died, they say this, that there is little to no record in, in anybody. I'm talking about jo, Josephus. I'm talking uh, past the Bible here, okay? Uh, you know, we look at things in the early church. We learn from what people wrote. How many know that's how we, we understand what was happening at that time? They say there's little or no writings about the gifts in the early church, spiritual gifts um, outside of the New Testament canon. Interestingly enough, this is, this is interesting, okay? Uh, there's, uh, there is no argument uh, for this doctrine, okay? So, so they say, hey, we look at this, and just because it's not there, doesn't mean it's not there, right? Just because, hey, we can look back and say nobody wrote about eating anything around that time, but we're going to assume that they probably ate food, right? And so uh, it's kind of one of those things. They kind of use that as a fallacy. But look at this. Uh, this, this came back into movement, okay? This, this thing came into movement really after, uh, in 1906, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, at the Azusa Street Revival, okay? How many know that, that, that God will push you out of your comfort zone? How many know that? And if he's not, listen, you ain't, you ain't digging in deep enough, all right? I can tell you that. So, so I'm not picking on, on these, this group of people, but what I'm saying is this. We need to understand this. They, they believe that speaking in tongues 
Uh, and then this is another thing that they said is for the unbeliever to believe and, and not for building up. So they, they say this. And during that time, it was for people who did not know Christ to come to Christ. They don't believe that, that we do this for edification. So I'll give you a couple of verses here. 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty two. This is one that they stand on. Um, it says, thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. So let me tell you something. You cannot just take a verse out of the Bible and make it doctrine, all right? There, there are rules to this because I'm going to tell you why. Context matters. Everyone look at your neighbor say, context matters. Come on, say it louder. Context matters. This is what you need to understand. Paul, a very intelligent man, a very uh, astute writer, a very astute uh, uh, leader, he uses a, uh, sometimes a lot of hyperbole and a lot of sarcasm in the way that he is writing things, okay? And there's some other things here um, um, that he's using, he's using sarcasm there in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He's making a point that prophecy or speaking in, in a person's known language uh, is more beneficial to winning them, all right? That's, what, that's, that's really what he's saying, and so they've kind of reversed that role. But I want to look at this, Jude chapter 17. Or not chapter 17, verse 17, verse 22. It's only one book in Jude. It says this, but you must remember, beloved, okay? This is not Paul. This is Jude, okay? The half-brother of Jesus. He says this, the, the, the uh, predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. How many know we see that today, right? Verse 19, it is these who cause divisions. Everyone say divisions. Worldly people and, and devoid of the Spirit, devoid, not, not moving in the Spirit of God. But verse 20 says this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying, what? In the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 21, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Uh, I'll just say this. Could it be? Could it be that our God is big enough, is merciful enough, and loves us t- enough to say that, that these two things, the Holy Spirit, is powerful enough to draw unbelievers and edify believers at the same time? I, I mean, I'll argue that all day long because, uh, you know what? He's God and I am not. My finite mind cannot do this. So, so really... Uh, when we look at this, uh, this, this group or this movement in a church, what you see oftentimes is a lot of people who have a lot of head knowledge and, and not a lot of spiritual joy in their life. Matter of fact, there is a, uh, th- this particular group they do, and I'm not trying to dog them, but they, they do a conference just specifically uh, mocking uh, people like, uh, you know, Pentecostals or Charismatic that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit for na- are for now. And let me tell you something. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, listen, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we learn about part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the chapter of what? Come on. What is it? Come on. You guys all know this. Love. L-O-V-E. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is what? He continues to talk about how these things are to be done in order. What that tells me is this, 
The gifts of the Spirit should be done in love. And so I would argue with these people who, who mock other people, who uh, uh, talk about Christianity or talk about Pentecostals or Charismatics and the way that they believe. Listen, have there been abuses? 100%. But can I tell you something? What I would say to those people today is this. Don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Amen? Amen. So look at this. She said, man, we're only on verse 1. I know. It's crazy, right? Here we go. Uh, verse 2 says this. You know that when, when you are pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you are led. Verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that, there, that no one is speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is cursed. So two things we need to know about right here, okay? There's, you're going to get a lot of context to this, okay? First, the whole subject, the big picture here in, in Corinthian church is this. I'm talking about spirituals, is there was a giftings. And, and some people thought, well, because I have this gift of the Spirit, I am superior to you. How many know that the gifts of the Spirit operate in love? If there is no love, the, I mean, it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says you are a what? You are a, a gonging symbol. You are loud. I'm going to dig into that when we get to that point. But some people say, I prophesy, so I'm more spiritual than you. I speak in tongues, so I'm more spiritual than you. How many know that that is a, that is a, a place of pride that you are saying that? All right, so here's the second thing. Secondly, a rumor was spreading in that day that finds, finds its way around our time oftentimes knowingly. Uh, people are saying, well, people that are speaking in tongues, they, they actually are, they, they, you know, they may be cursing Jesus. But, but Paul, he, he, however, makes it clear that this is impossible. Look at this next verse. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. I'll give you here some good context. Here you go. Hold up your finger if this is you. Are you ready for this? Ask yourself these questions. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Come on. You got that? Come on. Hold it up. Keep them up. Here's the next finger. He died on the cross for his sins. Can you hold that finger up? All right. You believe that? How many believe that he rose again uh, over sin, death, hell, and the grave? Come on. There's three, right? And, and how many believe that God is God incarnate? That's four right there. Can I tell you something? You did not learn that on your own. The Holy Spirit revealed that to you. That's what the scripture tells us. So therefore, you can't truly say that Jesus Jesus is Lord, uh, you could say that because you have assurance that the Holy Spirit is at work within you. The Holy Spirit always points you to Jesus Christ. Amen? Verse 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. So, so actually, here is the word gifts, and it's the Greek word charisma. Everyone say charisma. It's where we get our word charismatic from, Okay. Um, charisma, and, and so uh, charisma is also, if you, if you look at the first part of this word, it's also, it is derived from the word charis, which is the word, come on everybody, grace. Everyone say grace. So God's grace, God's gifts. Man, that, that, is, that is beautiful. So, so the word grace is this, unmerited, unearned favor of God. You know what? Sometimes we receive gifts that we do not deserve, Amen. Amen. So these spiritual gifts are connected to grace, meaning, hey, I, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But, hey, that's why I can't come from a high place and say, hey, I'm prophesying and you're not prophesying. So that makes me more spiritual. No, no, no. It's only by God's grace that I can stand here and I can, I can, these, these things can work through me. Look at this. And there is a, a variety of services, a service, but the same Lord. All right. Um, 
So, uh, you know, uh, the King James Version says administration instead of services, I believe. And so uh, how many know that service and ministry are the same thing? Hey, doing something for Jesus. We're, we're working for Jesus. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I don't know about you. I, I, how many like variety in your life? I get tired of eating the same thing over and over. You ever did done a diet where you're like, hey, I'm just going to eat chicken, rice, and green beans? Boy, it's all right the first few days, but it gets old. You're trying to find some different ways to flavor that, right? Uh, how many know that God, uh, I love God because he is a God of variety? Come on. Amen? And he's not just one kind. Like He, he makes things great. How many of there are different types of ministry? Some are focused on, on addiction. Some are focused on evangelism. Some are focused on prophecy. Some are, how many know that we need a variety to reach this world? How many believe that God knew what he was doing? Amen? And it says this, and there was a variety, varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Here we go. Buckle up right here. We're going to lay down a little foundation right here. The Greek word uh, enigma, uh, which is that word activities in this translation or operations uh, in another translation, okay? That word means this, energize. Everyone say energize, all right? In verse 4, look at this. I want you to look at this. In verse 4, we see uh, different gifts but the same spirit. Everyone say different gifts, same spirit. In verse 5, we see different ministries. But the same Lord. Everyone say different ministries. Same Lord. In verse 6, we see different uh, uh, energies or operations, but the same God. Everyone say different operations, but the same God. So uh, I'll put this together for you. You ready for this? The gifts, the gifts that we're talking about are linked to the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit. All right, you can write that down. The ministries are linked to the Son of God. Everyone say Jesus Christ. The operations are linked to the Father. What are you saying, Pastor? Look, listen, the word Trinity does not, it's not in the Bible. But if you just read your Bible, if you look at it, man, you could see the Father working, you could see the Holy Spirit working, and you could see the Son working in harmony to get the kingdom of God moving forward. Amen? And and I believe that these three verses unlock the mystery of chapter 12. You know, you have any confusion on that, I think that right there is the key. So let's look at this. The gifts of the Spirit, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it like this, the motivational gifts. I want to say motivational gifts. All right. And these are brought by the Holy Spirit. We, I believe there's a list here, but I'm going to look at, at Romans 12, chap, uh, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. It says this, having gifts that differ according to grace given to us, come on, let us use them. Everyone say use them. All right. If prophecy... In, in, in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving to the one who teaches in his teaching, verse 8, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in, in generosity, the one who leads, everyone, I won't say, with zeal, the one who does uh, acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So, so here we go. Here's the list. You need a list. You want to write these down. Gifts of the Spirit. I believe that, that this list in Romans is a little bit more exhaustive right here. We have prophecy. We have ministry. We have teaching. We have exhortation. We have giving. We have ruling. And we have mercy, okay? And I believe this. Everyone in here, come on, carries at least one of these motivational gifts inside of you. Some of you carry multiples, but some of you carry at least one of these things inside of you. Here's the next thing. 
ministries of the Lord. Everyone say ministries of the Lord. This is the Jesus portion, okay? So the word ministry uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, we, we see five ministries, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm building something here, okay? So hang with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, and, and it says this. And he gave the apostles, come on, everyone say apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Everyone say cinco. Everyone say five. The five-fold ministries. Why did the Lord give us the five-fold ministries? Verse 12 in Ephesians chapter 4 says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up. Everyone say building up. The body of Christ. All right. So five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Well, you say, Pastor, that's, I'm none of those. I'm really not any of those. You know, I, don't ask me to preach. Don't ask me to do this. But, but I want you to think about this. Imagine someone is struggling financially and, and through uh, your motivational gift of mercy. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you struggled at one point. You say, hey, you know what? I see you, young man, or I see you, young lady. I see you, young married couple. Listen, can I, can we meet? Can we talk about your finances? You're struggling? Let me help you out. Let me see if we can get you on a correct path here. And what ends up happening, you meet them, you talk to them, Guess what you're doing as a person? You are shepherding them. You are helping them. Come on, grow. You are teaching them. Come on, right? Say, well, I'm not necessarily a pastor. Well, you can act like a pastor. Come on. It's not just the pastor's job to do everything. I know you guys want it to be, but it's not. Ministry is is supernaturally natural. Did you know that? Ministry is supernaturally natural. Uh, you know, how about this? I, you know, I, thought, I think about my wife and, and the things that her grandmother taught her when we first got married. She taught her how to, how to go buy groceries and how to, how to be, uh, uh, you know, cook certain things. Praise the Lord. Amen. And how to do, do things. And you know what? Those little things and, and, and how to be biblically sound and how to be faithful in church. And, and those things, guess what? She was teaching my wife. She was showing her an example. Come on. That's fivefold ministry. Whether you like it or don't like it, hey, hey, you didn't know. Guess what? Psh, you're part of the ministry now. Look at this. Here's the next thing. Operations, the Father. Everyone say the Father. First Corinthians chapter 12. It says this. Those who exercise these motivational gifts will, will find ministries opened up to them. So, hey, I've got this motivational gift, this gift that of mercy, and God begins to open doors for me. God begins to put people in my way. Hey, and man, I can help you with your finance. I can show you how to, how to do something. God has given me this gift. I can help you out, amen? And, and so a prophet uh, is one who hears and declares the heart of God, okay? Everyone, everyone say this. A, a prophet, uh, let's break these down. Let me, let me start all over right here. Everyone say apostle. Apostle is this, someone who is sent out. I'm grateful for apostles. You ought to be grateful for apostles because if you're not an apostle, that means that you get to be stationary. You don't have to always be sent out to the front line starting new ministries and starting new missionaries are apostles. Come on, they're going to frontiers that have not been and they're, they're loving on people. And so apostles are ones that are sent out. A prophet is one who hears and declares the heart of God. Man, somebody's just inclined to the ear of God. We often think prophet is somebody who tells the future. No, 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 no. A prophet is somebody who tells what God is saying and what God's heart is, okay? There's a difference there, all right? 
A pastor is one who shepherds that comes alongside people and says, come on, you can do this. Come on, get up. Stop sinning. Come on, let's walk this thing out and, and helps them and walks alongside them. All right, A teacher is one who shares the truth of God's word in someone's walk. You know, And, and so the ministry of the spirit is supernaturally natural. Everyone say supernaturally natural. And here's the thing. When you get away from titles and organizations and denominations and re- simply respond to the Lord's leading, guess what? You can be a shepherd. You could be a pastor. You could be an apostle. And you could speak those things. Gifts are given by the Spirit. Everyone say gifts are given by the Spirit. Ministries are given by the Son. And everything is energized by the Father, amen, and he orders those things. So in addition to my motivational gift and opportunity uh, from, from ministry, God wants to energize what I'm doing in, supernaturally in a natural way. So you've heard me say that. So this is what Paul addresses the rest of this chapter. Are ready? He will talk about discerning operations, the, the power to know, right? How many know that discernment, man, woo, how many know we need discernment today? All right, altars are open right now. How many know that we need discernment in our hearts today? And that, and that includes this, words of knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. And we'll talk about those in the next verses. And then it talks about dynamic operation, the power to do. The, this includes faith. How many know that it takes faith and it takes miracles and it takes uh, the gift of healing? And then we'll talk about declaring operations, the power to speak. This includes prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. So verse 7 says this. To each is given manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The word manifestation means to, to, to make known. When we, we see a gift it's manifested, it means it, it, it's made known. That's it. it. Revelation, the gifts ministry and the operations are, are made known throughout our lives. And they should be, right? You know why they're made known? Not so we can write it down in our diary and we can keep it to ourselves. It's not why they're made known. No, 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 no. The gifts that flow through us, they're made known so we can bless others. We can edify other people. We can build them up. Everyone say, gifts build up. Come on, say it. Gifts build up. They, they edify. Your gift is, is for others and not for you to abuse. Let me say that again. Oh, man, pastor, you're Pentecostal. I'm Pentecostal to the bone. But listen to me. I've learned in my life there is a balance to God. Just as much as there is a shout and a praise to God, there is a be still and know that I am a God moment. Just as, a, as much as there is a dance to the Lord, there is also I lay before the Lord, you know, with my face in the carpet. I understand that God is balanced. Amen? And so uh, verse 8 says this, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. So words of wisdom, this doesn't, uh, this doesn't come from one's intellect or how to solve an issue. Well, I know the answer to that. No, 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 no. This is something a little bit different. I, I'll give you a good example of this. When I was in high school, I had a, a, a young man. He was an atheist. He was my friend. And we were, we were good friends. And he knew I went to church. And I knew he was atheist. But we got along. And, and, but every once in a while, we would get into talking about the Lord and, and different things. And then he came to me. And he said, the Bible is not right. And I said, well, what makes you say such a strong statement? And uh, he says, well, 
He said, let's just, let's just look at Noah's ark. And he says, you know, if Noah's ark, the earth flooded, okay, and Noah's ark was up there, he goes, it would have been in places and altitude was so high that the air would have been thin and they wouldn't have been able to breathe. Listen to me. I am not a smart person, okay? I got straight B's and C's all the way through school, all right? I am not an intelligent person, but the Holy Spirit, come on, pulled up something that I, reminded me in science class and said, hey, you just need to ask him real fast. Hey, is air lighter than, than, than water? And I said, is air lighter than water? He goes, Absolutely. And I said, then if the level went up, then the air went up too. And they were fine. He goes, that is a good point. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that wisdom because that didn't come from me. All right. Jesus said this uh, when they caught the woman in adultery. He, he uses a word of wisdom. And, 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 you know, if he had said, hey, stone her, right? He could have said, hey, you guys need to stone her because she's a sinner, and, and, and had he done that, you know what? The people would have said, Psh, he's no friend of sinners, right? That, that would have been their statement. If he had said, hey, let her go, uh, uh, he, would have, he would have been violating Moses' law, right, that he came to fulfill. But notice what Jesus said to this woman caught in adultery. He said to them, not, not to her, I'm sorry, he said this. He said, let him without sin cast the first stone. You know what that is? Hey, I know the situation here, but I'm going to tell you guys something right here. Here's the word that you need to hear. That's a word of wisdom. Amen? So look at this. So Jesus flowed in this, but so did his disciples. In, in Acts chapter 15, you know, um, you know, they were arguing. They said, should the Gentile converts be circumcised? And, and there, Paul, he comes all the way to Jerusalem, and he's talking with Peter and James and John, and they're, they're talking about such things. And this is a big meeting. Finally, James stands up in the end, and he gives them a little perspective, and it gets settled out. Come on, how many know that God, God can give you those, those, those divine words of wisdom? How many know we need divine words of wisdom today? Amen. If you have the gift of, of ruling or overseeing, ask God to give you the gift of operation in the words of wisdom, right? So if you serve on a board, come on, if you serve on a board somewhere or you school board or a Hope Resource Center board or a church board or the board of your house, you and your spouse, listen, you ought to ask God, give me discernment. Come on, give me discernment. Give me wisdom, Lord, to speak when I need to speak and don't let me just speak out of anger and, and come on, right? And, and it says this, and to another utterance, of knowledge according to the same spirit. So two moments in scripture, I want to look at people operating in this gift, the, the utterance of knowledge or the uh, words of knowledge. So it says this, uh, Jesus, how many know that, that in Philippians it says that Jesus laid down his power to be a man? It's, it's what it says. He, he came from heaven, he came to earth, right? And, and he laid down his power. So when he did miraculous things, come on, listen to me, he operated in the realm of supernatural. Why did he operate? How was he able to do this? Because he was walking in sync with God the Father and the Holy Spirit through him empowered him to do great things. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead walks in you and dwells in you say I can't do that yes you can so look at this in John chapter 4 he told he told the woman uh, at the well you know go go get your husband right and she says I don't have a husband right liar liar pants on fire Jesus said yeah you you don't have a husband but you've had five and the one that you're with right now you ain't even your husband she probably went oh right 
And, and it, was that the result of, of the disciples going around and inve- investigating her? Did he hire some, you know, uh, private investigator? Nope, 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 nope. That's the Holy Spirit telling him, hey, say this, right? So, so uh, how, we, how we need this in our homes, right? How many know we need this in our church, amen? How many know we need this in our nation, amen? Acts chapter 5, Peter asked Ananias, he says, hey, uh, you've deceived yourself, and, and, and how did, how did P- Peter know that Ananias was lying? Word of knowledge. Holy Spirit said, Psh, say this. And you guys know the story. Right? And so uh, these operations are not used for us to use them whenever we want, but only as the Holy Spirit wills. You know, and some say, well, that happens every year or so with me. That happens every 10 years. It may happen 10 times a day for you. I, there's no limit. There's no number on this. But I believe that, that the gift manifests itself as often oftentimes in the teaching of the word of God because the word of God begins to real, reveal things and man, those little nuggets of knowledge, they hit us and we say, man, I need to change. I need to be better. Come on, somebody, right? Verse nine says this, to another faith by the same spirit. Everyone say same spirit. So Jesus, you remember Jesus, he told the fig tree, yeah, dry up. Let no more fruit dwell on you, right? He got mad at the fig tree. And the next day they walked by that thing and, the, and the, uh, the disciples saw it and the roots were dried up and they were like, what? How many know that takes a lot of faith to look at a tree and say, yeah, you go ahead and die. The next day you come by and it's gone, right? Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 22, Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Let me say that one more time. Have faith in God. Some of you, come on. How many know that faith is potent? Dynamite comes in small packages. Faith is the same way. It comes in small packages, but it packs a lot of punch, amen? And so, uh, and the Bible says this, each of us is given a measure of faith. And, and if, we, if we didn't have faith, come on, we wouldn't be saved. I can tell you that, okay? If you didn't have any faith, you wouldn't be saved in your heart. And so uh, uh, there are those that can move uh, in their faith in, in the supernatural arena. You've seen those people who pray for people, and, man, they're healed on the spot. You've seen blind, eye op- blind eyes open, and, and because they exercise their faith. Come on, some of us don't exercise our faith enough, right? How many knows that when you don't exercise very often, come on, your muscles get sore. You don't do as good as you, you don't walk around like you, and then you go out and do it. You're like, man, this is hard. Guess what? If you exercise your faith, it gets easier and easier and easier, right? In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they walked up to the gate, beautiful there. There was the, the beggar there, and he's begging. And, and, you know, they said, rise up in the name of Jesus. You know, silver and gold have I none. Rise up. But what I do have, I'll give you. Rise up in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says this. If you look at it, it says the people looked in awe. They were like, oh, look at that guy, that beggar. He's, he's doing good. And Peter said this, why are you guys marveling at this? That was his words. Acts 3.16, he says, and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong. He goes on to clarify this. Whom you see and know and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man his perfect health in the presence of you all. Why are you guys shocked by this? Amen. Everyone say faith is potent. Here's another one. To another gifts, uh, the healing of, of, of one uh, by the one spirit. So the word gift here. To another, gifts, everyone say gifts with an S, is plural. That's a plural word, all right? 
and 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 so uh, and I believe that 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 God gives those gifts sometimes and I believe that there isn't just one gift of healing I think some guys uh, can pray for specific things and they can be healed in different things and I but I believe that all those gifts working together come on that God can do amazing things verse 10 says this to another the working of miracles in Mark chapter 16 where Jesus talked about doing miracles and he said this that you would be able to drink poison right and you won't die he said you'd be able to handle snakes and they, they bite you, you won't die. And he said, you'll be able to speak in new tongues and you'll be lay, able to lay hands on the sick and they will recover, right? How many know what I'm talking about? Jesus saying that, okay? But here's what we need to understand about miracles. It's important to see these wonderful expressions. We're all connected here to the Great Commission. Okay? Mark chapter 16, he sa- he's telling them, go out. But when you go out, listen, these things are not going to happen to you. You're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to recover. You're going to speak in new tongues and, and all, these, all these great things. And so if you study the book of Acts, the operations of the gift of miracle is closely linked to evangelism and the spread of Jesus Christ. All right? So the, the operation of miracles is primarily for unbelievers and not believers. So say, well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, in Exodus... In Numbers, we see Israel who saw miracle after miracle, sign after sign, right? God just kept doing great things for them and over and over. And why did they not go into the promised land? Because of their unbelief. Unbelief. People often say, man, if I could just see a miracle, I'd believe. Not so. Romans ten seventeen says this. This is this is how how you would believe. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? Hearing what? The word of God. All right. So so for the for the believer, we are to grow by by not seeing miracles. It's good that we see miracles; they could help us. But by hearing the word of God, coming to Bible study. Picking up the word of God, reading it, listening to it on the way to work. Come on, somebody, right? And the unbeliever who sees signs and wonders, guess what? That'll confirm in their heart that psh, this, this God is real. This, this, this thing is real. So it's why, it's why we are involved in, in different things, missions and evangelism and services and, uh, uh, to the unbeliever. And, to, and, and here's what God will do. He'll take the skeptic and he'll make miraculous things happen. Here's the problem with us. We want to chase miracles and God's saying this. Man, you go tell people about Jesus and those miracles will follow you. Amen? All right. I know that ain't popular, but man, you don't have to like me. You just have to love me. All right? Here's what it says. To another prophecy. Everyone say prophecy. Prophecy is, is, and I said this, not to foretell the future, but, but to foretell God's heart. You know, uh, prophecy is not a fortune teller. Jeremiah, Isaiah, they're not fortune tellers. They're telling the heart of God is what they're doing in Scripture. I mean, those guys. And so it, it reveals God's heart. So prophecy exists in edification or building up, exhortation. Non-prepared words. What I'm doing tonight, come on, is teaching because I have prepared words. But prophecy, man, is when the Lord checks me and I just start saying, hey, this is what the Lord's saying in this moment right here, right now. You need to hear this, all right? Uh, Those are different things. They're words of comfort spoken in a time of need, right? So Paul deals with with the operations of prophecy in conjunction with tongues, and we'll go over that and interpretation in chapter 14. 
to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. Amen. Everyone say discernment. <laughs> Meaning to judge or to try spirits. Oh, as a pastor, I pray for this a lot. Lord, give me discernment. Give me discernment. If you knew the amount of calls that we get for people wanting help, if you knew uh, sometimes, and you know, there are people who are swindlers. Come on. And sometimes there are people who have true needs. Come on. And there are people who just want to take advantage of you. How many know what I'm talking about? And I'm, I'm constantly going, God, give me discernment. Help me not to see this person through my fleshly eyes, Lord, because, Lord, I believe that they are lying to me right now. But, God, I pray, Lord, that if they do something bad with this money, that you strike them down with lightning, right, or whatever the case. But, but I always pray for discernment. So Peter told Jesus, remember Jesus said this in Matthew 16. He said, who do you say that I am? He, told, he looked at Peter and said, who do, you, who do they say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, right? I remember that. He said, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father in heaven. That's called discernment, right? And then a few year, a few verses later, in, in, in his denial, he's, he's denying, he, Christ is saying, I'm going to die. And Peter says, oh, no, you're not going to die. Not as far as I'm concerned, right? You know how many know Peter his mouth got ahead of him all the time. And he said, you're not going to die. And, and then what did Jesus say? He looked at him and he said, get behind me, Satan. Don't tempt me because I have to go to, to, to the cross. And, so, and, and maybe, maybe uh, Jesus in that moment, he discerned the spirit flowing through Peter. One time it was, it was the true voice of the Lord speaking, right? Another time it was the devil trying to trip the, 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 uh, the Lord up, right? But I've learned this in pastoring and caring for people, sharing with people, we need discernment, right? Amen? We need to understand that, that sometimes some of the things that people are telling us is influence of demons. Oh, that's not popular, right? And, and sometimes it's simply a result of their, of their own human wisdom. But in Acts chapter 16, a young girl said, said of Paul and Silas, she said, listen to these men. They are men of God. You remember that? They're, she's following them around. And she's like, listen to these guys. You, you guys don't even know. These are, these are true men of God. And Paul, Paul discernment looked at her and he says, hey, this is a demonic power working with this. And they begin to pray for her and she's delivered right then and there. So, so here's the next part of this verse. It says, to another various kind of uh, kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues so paul will discuss uh, tongues and interpretation we'll, we'll, we'll go over that at chapter chapter four or verse yeah chapter 14 so verse 11 says this all are empowered by one everyone say one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will so uh, if we move in operation of these gifts maybe healing maybe speaking prophetically or a miracle flowing ministry. Paul is saying, be careful that it's, it's only because of God's sovereignty that you're operating in that gift. It's not about you. It's not about your ability. Come on, right? Because God's given you that ability. It's, it's called grace, charisma, that, that word that we talk, the gifts, charis, the word grace. Come on, right in the middle of it. So Simon the sorcerer, you remember he asked Peter, he said, how much for the gift of the Holy Spirit? How, how much do I pay to get this? And Peter says this, you know, he says, you, you're going to perish with your money because you, you don't understand this is not something that you can purchase. God cannot be bought. And the gifts of the Spirit cannot be earned. They cannot be bought. 
They're given by God sovereignly as he chooses and wishes. So um, Moses said of the children of Israel, hey, you, you, you rebels, you know what? You, uh, uh, you know, must we fetch water from the rock? And then he smote the rock. How many remember this story in Numbers 20? And God said, wait a minute. Wait a second. It's not you guys fetching it. It's me giving it. And, and, and once we depend on our, our intellect and we depend on ourselves and, and those people, man, they, man, and Moses missed that great moment to, to go into the promised land because, because of his unbelief in that second. But once we depend on our intellect or money or our music or our ability or our athleticism, once, once we start taking credit, if we aren't careful, come on, we can bar ourselves from the promised land of God's blessing on our life. Amen. So let's look at this. I, I know you guys are, they say, I love you, Pastor. Come on, tell me. All right, a few of you. That's all I need. All right. Next, next setting says this. One body, one body, many members. So verse 12 says this. I promise you, we, we've only got three more chapters to go, and I'm joking. For just as the body is one, has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Um, in chapter 1 in 1 Corinthians, Paul deals with, the very first thing he deals with is carnal divisions, right? Everyone's wanting their own way. Sounds like us, right? Everybody wants their own way. Uh, you want division in your car? Our family of five, if I get in the car and we're driving, and I'm like, hey, where do you want to eat? I'm going to get five different responses. And I'm going to, my wife, I'll say, where do you want to eat? She'll say, I don't care. Then I'll say something else. She'll say, I don't feel like that. Well, then you care, right? But here he's touching on the same subject. The difference here is that there's the, the cardinal doctrine as he teaches them uh, that, that they are the body of Christ, okay? We're connected uh, to the head. I mean, no, Christ is the head, amen? And although each of them had different ministries, operations, and different gifts, they're all still one entity and one body. God likes diversity, amen? If not, we'd all look the same. We'd all have luscious hair like mine and good looks like me. And Come on, I'll just keep bragging on myself until I see a smile, right? Verse 13 says this, for, for in one spirit we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all are made uh, to drink of one spirit. So, and this has been a divisive verse too that some have used as proof that all Christians are baptized in the spirit, but they, they fail to understand that there are multiple baptisms seen in, in scripture. Okay, I'll give you one right here. John's baptism is the baptism of repentance, right? John the Baptist, he's baptizing people. He's calling them into repentance. So here's another one. The baptism of, of Moses refers to those who followed him, 1 Corinthians 10, come on, who followed him uh, across the Red Sea. That's that's us leaving Egypt, right? And, and, and coming into what God has for us. And then the third one is Jesus speaks of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, verse five come on the baptism of the holy spirit and then verse four uh, the fourth one is this paul speaks of being baptized into jesus christ romans 6 3 so so let me ask you this which baptism is it i'm asking it's the spirit baptizing us into the body of christ so jesus baptizes us into the holy spirit amen that's what happens all right and, and we see and as we see here the the Spirit baptizes into one body. So verse 14, all right? 
For, every, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. In verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not going to belong to the body, that would, make, uh, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong on the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, that'd be weird, uh, where would we be in the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would we be in the sense of smell? I'm glad I don't smell with my ears. That'd be weird. Verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So, so listen, because we're all part of the body, we all have a part, and we all have a function, and we all have a job to do. Everybody. Because God has placed us where it pleases him. Not where it pleases me, but where it pleases him. Amen? If you're going to be a servant of God, you got to be where he wants you, not always where you want you, all right? Uh, you know, and some of you say, oh, I'd be weird, you know, it'd be, it'd be really weird in our lives if, if my big toe just decided one day to say, Psh, I am tired of being in your smelly shoe scales. I am, I'm coming off of, of your foot, and it moved its way, and I woke up one day, and my big toe was just sticking out my forehead right here. You guys would look at me like I was weird, right? And, and you would just be like, man, that is, that is just, I wouldn't be able. And here's the deal. If my toe moved up here, I probably wouldn't be able to walk because your big toe is very important to your balance. Come on. And I would be tripping all over the place. And you guys would be looking at me weird and be like, your toe is on your forehead. That is weird. Amen. How many know that? So I'll, I'll end on this example right here. In high school, in football, I played, I played high, high school football. And I played wide receiver and cornerback. And one day at practice, I was, I was tired of running because cornerbacks run a lot. Come on, they play defense, they run every play, and wide receivers run every play. And one day I was just tired, and I was like, I am done uh, running routes. I am done doing this. And they said, all right. And they, they devised us up. Wide receivers over here, running backs over here, everybody with this. And I knew I was too small to be a lineman. I knew I couldn't fall into that place. And so I was like, Psh, I'm going to go with the quarterbacks. And I did. I went over with the quarterback. So the quarterback coach looked at me and he said, what are you doing over here? And I was like, uh, coach told me to come over here. Right? And so I go over there. He goes, oh, so you want to be our number three quarterback? I said, Psh, I'm going to be our number three quarterback. That was cocky, all right? It's a little arrogance. And, and I begin to, he said, all right, we're going to run some drills. And so uh, I had never played quarterback in my life other than on the playground at school. And listen, there is a difference between playing on a playground and playing an organized sport, all right? And he said, all right, we're going to do these uh, three and five step drop back drills and this and this and this. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. I'm really lost. And man, we get about three plays in and he looked at me and goes, Skiles, get back over there with the receivers. I was like, yes, sir. But so too, our fleshly tendency is this, to be seen. Hey, I'm over here. I'm doing this. Everyone look at me. I'm doing this for the kingdom of God. And God's like, no, no, no. You stay sit right where you're at. And, and God, as we function where we are supposed to be, come on. If we function where, where God has us, we will be the most effective. How many want to see the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, rise up and do what it's supposed to do? Then you need to get past your own self and say, hey, I need to function where Christ needs me. All right? I know we're going to stop right there. I, I wish I could have got through all this. I, man. I thought I had this down. How many know this is, this is deep stuff? This is good stuff. Amen? This is good stuff. It's all good. Come on, everyone say it's all good. 
All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this word. And God, while we, we dig into this, God, that we understand the, the giftings, and God, that they all play a part in our lives. God, Lord, you've called us not to be ignorant on these things. Lord, Paul said it, don't be ignorant on these things. And so, Lord, God, let us be students of the word. God, let us have the discernment of the Holy Spirit as we read, Lord, and understand that these things have a role in our hearts and in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us, Lord, the willingness, Lord, to be what you want us to be. Maybe we feel like the toe. We don't get any glory. No one sees us covered up all the time. Feel like we get stubbed. I don't know. Maybe we feel like that we're overlooked. But God, I pray, Lord, that in in this kingdom thing, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, that it's not about being seen here on earth, but it's about serving you, God. And one day, Lord, when we get to heaven, Lord, I think we're all going to be amazed at the things that people did that nobody ever gave them credit for. Lord, when we get to heaven, God, you are going to make things. Lord, you are a good bookkeeper. My mom used to say that. Reminded me, Lord, that you are a good bookkeeper, Lord. When we seem insignificant and non-important and this little thing that I'm doing doesn't seem like much, we have to understand, Lord, that you are in it. And much, little is much, you know, when God is in it. So, God, we give our gifts to you. We say, God, these things that are working within us, God, I pray, Lord, you give us strength. Lord, that you begin to walk with us. God, go with us until the next appointed time. God, I, I'm grateful for this church, Lord. I'm grateful for this opportunity to serve and to love you god i pray lord you be with us lord touch every need every situation lord that we prayed about earlier god have your will and way and god i just pray lord you bring us back to the at the next appointed time and lord we ask this in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen and amen i i I will come back to this and um when we come back next week I, I pray we'll get into uh, chapter 13. I may come back and do a little bit of a, a conclusion between chapter 12 and 14 to kind of bring this in. I know, I mean, I threw you in the deep end of the pool today, amen. Um, but how many know it's all good? It's all good, amen. God bless you.